Welcome to the Development Locker Podcast, the podcast designed specifically for aspiring academy football players and their development. I'm your host, Lee Wood, and I'm thrilled to have you join us on this exciting journey. Whether you're a young talent dreaming of making it to the top, a dedicated coach looking for expert insights, or a parent seeking information into how to guide your son along their journey, this podcast is your ultimate resource for everything related to academy football. Each episode will bring you exclusive interviews with renowned coaches former academy players who have successfully made the transition to professional football and industry experts who will share their invaluable knowledge and tips to help you excel on and off the pitch. Over the next 48 episodes, we'll be diving deep into the mental and physical conditioning, the various aspects of player development, nutrition, injury prevention, and maintaining a balanced lifestyle to ensure you reach your full potential. We'll also discuss what to do when your dreams come to an end, whenever that may be, along the journey with insight from those who have gone through this part of the journey and come out the other side a better person. Also, we'll be joined by those who support people like you when and not if that day comes when football isn't the only dream you want to pursue. But it's not just about the technicalities of the game. We'll also explore the mindset and mentality required to thrive in a competitive world of academy football. We'll discuss the importance of resilience, self-belief and effective goal setting to help you overcome challenges and achieve your dreams. So, whether you're looking for guidance on improving your technical abilities, seeking advice on navigating the trials and tribulations of the academy system, or simply want to stay motivated and inspired, we're here to support you every step of the way. Get ready to learn, grow, and be inspired by the stories of those who have walked the same path you're on right now. Together, we'll unlock the secrets to success and help you gain that crucial edge in your academy journey, as well as prepare you for that alternative pathway. So grab your boots, put on your headphones and get ready to take your game to the next level. This is your podcast and I'm thrilled to have you join us as we bring you your interview from the locker. Stay tuned for our weekly episodes, which will bring you every Monday morning and we look forward to you joining us then. Welcome to the Development Locker Podcast. In this week's episode, we investigate the fascinating world of psychology. We'll be exploring topics that touch the core of our being, resilience, self-confidence, and how to free ourselves from the chains of worry. This week's guest is an award-winning author, a motivational speaker and renowned individual within the world of psychology. In his 13 books, he has covered a number of topics in the aim to help people like you be the best version of themselves. More specifically, he has a proven track record with double figures in years of experience at one of the top academies in this country. 
Paul McGee welcomes you to being a human being while also providing you with some secret formulas to success over the next 60 minutes. In today's fast paced world, resilience has become a critical quality for navigating the challenges we face. It's the ability to bounce back, adapt and grow stronger in the face of adversity. We'll examine the science behind resilience, uncovering the psychological mechanisms that allow some individuals to triumph over hardship while others crumble. Confidence, often elusive and fragile, is a quality many of us strive to cultivate. But how do we develop a strong sense of self-confidence? We'll explore the factors that contribute to building a healthy self-esteem and discuss practical strategies to boost confidence in various areas of life. From overcoming imposter syndrome to embracing our unique strengths, we'll uncover the secrets to unlocking your true potential. Ah, worry, that familiar companion that tends to loom over us, clouding our minds and hindering our joy. But what if we could break free from its grip? Join us as we enter into the realm of anxiety and worry, unraveling their origins and understanding the mechanisms that perpetuate them. We'll share effective techniques to manage and overcome worries, allowing us to embrace a more peaceful and fulfilling existence. So, whether you're seeking personal growth, interested in understanding the human mind, or simply looking for a practical tip or two to navigate life's challenges, this episode is for you. Get ready to embark on a captivating journey through the realms of resilience, self-confidence, and worry. Over the next 60 minutes, we'll explore the intricate tapestry of the human psyche, shedding light on the profound mysteries of our minds in pursuit towards a more fulfilling and harmonious life. So sit back, relax, forget what is going on in the outside world and prepare yourself for this week's interview from The Locker. Welcome everyone to the second episode of season four and we're very lucky to have uh, a very special guest this week and that's all I'm going to say because we're going to get straight into the first question as we always do and Paul I want to know as I'm sure most of our listeners do why do you refer to yourself as the sumo guy? It's a great question Lee thanks for asking it um so I work as a speaker an author and a coach and in fact I worked on and off for about 10 years supporting player care at Manchester City but um in that world of speaking there's loads of people who've climbed Everest won gold medals I've I, my biggest achievement is I once managed 30 women on the economy beefberg line at Birdseye Walls so sumo <laughs> is a a kind of it's a brand name the sumo guy but it's actually an acronym and s-u-m-o can stand for well it can stand for two things the the title of my book um is is shut up move on um we also sometimes refer to it as stop understand move on and and also sumo is a word in latin means to choose and and lee what i do in my work which is predominantly speaking but sometimes some one-to-one coaching with people is i'm just looking at the choices that people make and thinking can we make some better choices so the sumo guy became like my brand name and i've got a set of 
principles, ideas, tools to get the best out of yourself, get the best out of others and get the best out of life. And that's what I cover in the book and various other books I've written. But um, Paul McGee is my official name. Um, but it, no offence to my name, but sometimes people will, will will stop me in the street and they won't remember I'm called Paul McGee, but they'll go, aren't you the sumo guy? And it, and it, it's a conversation starter as well, because sometimes when people look at me for the first time and they go, well, you're the sumo guy, you don't look like a sumo to me. And the amount of times I've had people mention about you're not wearing a thong is just ridiculous. But anyway, that's the answer, sir. Well, that's some answer. And I have to admit, every time I see you on social media and, and you refer to yourself as a sumo guy, it does. It's like that think of don't think of a pink elephant. As soon as I see your title come up on, on my <laughs> social media feed, I just see this large Japanese fellow with a wedgie. And yeah, it's a, it's an yeah. iconic image. I'll have to give you that one. Thank um, you very much. You mentioned there you're, you're an author, you're you know a motivational speaker as well. So tell us a little bit about some of the books that you've wrote and what I want to know more than you just kind of rattling off the titles and kind of the synopsis of each one of those. I want to know which one has been your favourite or your most enjoyable one to write and why. OK, um, well, I've written, I hope this impresses you now, Lee, I've written 13 books and I used to say wow. to people, 12 of them are adult books and then people gave me a bit of a dodgy look. But what I meant by that was they're books aimed at adults and I wrote a book for children as well. Um, and I probably, if I can cheat a little bit, rather than say my favourite one, if I go from a favourite to Sumo, loads of people think that Sumo was my first book that I'd written. It was actually my fifth book that I'd written. Um, yep. That was the game changer for me. I want to say it was a game changer. It came out in 2005. WH Smith's made it their business book of the month, even though it's not really a business book, it's a personal development book. But what that meant was, you know, I'm I'm like end of May um, going into railways at stations and seeing my book there. And, and I'm then later on, a few weeks later, I'm, I'm traveling abroad and I'm in Manchester Airport and I see my book on the top shelf there. And and someone who'd heard me at um, Greater Manchester Police, uh, her her brother worked at Manchester City and she just said, you know what, Hayden, I think you would love this guy and you'd love his book. So she gave it to him. And to cut a long story short, Hayden was head of player care, player care and support at Manchester City, loved it, loved my work. And, and that that opened a door for me to be involved working on and off with Manchester City for 10 years. And although that kind of more or less came to an end at the, at, during the pandemic, um, I've still got some people at City contacting me now about various things. So Sumo, clearly my favourite in terms of it's my brand. It's what I, I speak about daily. I'm speaking at an event later on today after this podcast. Um, but it was the doors that it opened. It just was amazing. But the second one would actually be my book for children. It's called Yes, The Sumo Secrets to Being a Positive, Confident Teenager. So it's still based on my sumo ideas, but it's probably aimed at children, although the teenagers in the subtitle, it's probably aimed at young people aged between nine and 12. And the reason why that was so enjoyable and enjoyable can also be a challenge was because I work very closely with an illustrator. So if anyone buys the book from Amazon or sees it in a bookstore, one of the things that will hopefully uh, hugely impress them is not my content, although I hope they're impressed and helped by that, but the amazing visuals that are there and seeing those happen over time, as I spoke almost on a daily basis 
to Fiona Osborne, who was my illustrator, and, and just seeing how children have engaged with the book. I mean, I get people who send me photos of their kids on social media, reading the book in bed, and, and that has just been hugely satisfying. And the other reason it was satisfying, it was my first ever book for kids. So it was a, it was a change. It was move out your comfort zone. So I went for two rather than one, Lee, but those would be my two favourite out of the 13. Well, I was going to say out of 13, I'll, I'll let you have that extra one. It'll be unfair Thank you. to try and get to, yeah, it's like asking a mother of 13 kids which one's your favourite. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll allow two. I'll allow but let, you, let you, me tell you, if you did ask someone, a mother of 13 kids, who was your favourite, she would have one, you know, Lee. She would definitely have one. <laughs> I'm telling you. In terms of the last book you mentioned there for for children, and that's kind of leads me on to my next question of you mentioned about you know the secrets of being positive and a confident teenager now within the academy system we have teenagers we have those who are uber positive very confident and we also have those who may be at the opposite opposite end of the, yeah. of the spectrum and the continuum of being you know sometimes training's not going well a few results have gone against they're not performing that well they're not having mm. a, the best of times but you talk about them taking responsibility for, for for their life so what what would you say to an academy player who potentially is going through a bit of a period of negative thought not being as confident as they know they can be or they should be and how do they take responsibility of those yeah, I think one of the things just to understand, first of all, Lee, is welcome to being a human being. Um, life can be very much uh, a roller coaster. And we, you know, someone said to me, some people win the gene lottery. And what they meant was not what you're wearing on your legs, but the gene lottery of just how you are wired as an individual. You know, your upbringing, opportunity, you know, um, Richard Branson, I know you're not in the world of sport, but he was brought up by his mother Eve and his father and and particularly his mother Eve. She was a great one for sort of like giving him challenges as a young child. So he grew up, he grew up with that sense of natural resilience and, and people who encouraged him and gave him that self-belief. And there are some people who have that um, kind of upbringing and there's others who just seem to be born like that. Uh, that's just their natural outlook. But but there are people, as you say, who aren't. So I think we need to sort of like to go back to the sumo language, the alternative definition of sumo, not shut up, move on, but stop, understand. We're all unique individuals and we can be quite complex characters as well. But at the end of the day, one of the things that I say to people is I give them a little formula. Now, I was really bad at maths at school, but this is a formula that's had a profound impact on me. The formula is simply this. E plus R equals O. And what I mean by that is it's the event plus my response that influences the outcome. And I think it's about helping both parents and youngsters to realise that we will have some events that aren't always great. And one of the other things I talk about sometimes, particularly if you've had a setback or you've been released or whatever, and it's an idea in both my adult version of Sumo and the book for kids, is I talk about you might need a bit of hippo time. What are hippos doing mud? They wallow. You know, and so I'm not saying to children, to young people, you need to be upbeat all the time. What I'm saying is sometimes an event happens, it's a challenge, it's difficult. Okay, just remember that it's not E equals O, it's not the event equals the outcome. You're still in this equation. It's E plus R equals O. And what that might mean is 
if you haven't been playing well, if you've missed a sitter, if you were the goalkeeper and you let in a silly goal, if you just know you've not performed well or you got sent off after three minutes, have your flipping hippo time. It's all right to have a bit of a wallow, to feel mad, bad and sad. But remember this, hippo time is OK, but it's temporary. Detour, not a destination. And then once you've maybe had to respond like that, then it's a question of asking yourself, OK, so what's next? What? How do I move on? Because I cannot wear a victim T-shirt and blame everyone else for where I'm at in life. I need to go, OK, I've had an event, but how do I best respond now to create some better outcomes? And sometimes that means getting the support, obviously, of other people around you. So that's just a few thoughts. I hope you can take something from that. I'm sure, I'm sure our listeners will take plenty from that. And it's interesting you say about that. The hippo time, the wallowing, you know, it is it is temporary. I mean, yeah, we all are human beings. You're allowed to have a, an off day, an off hour, a bad game, a bad training session. We are human. You know, that's just, it, yeah. it's natural. I think the sooner there was, people realise that, the better. Yeah, there was a player at Manchester City. I won't, I won't name his name. I, I try and keep things as confidential as I can. But one of the things that he said to me was, um, after a bad game, he would like beat himself up, feel really bad about things and in a sense have his hippo time. But then he said after about two hours, it was like, OK, just because I had a bad game doesn't make me a bad player. And and that was his way of being able to move out of his hippo time. Now, what we just need to understand is that sometimes parents can go, come on, shrug it off, get over it. Sometimes we need to allow children and we need to allow ourselves a little bit of time to digest that disappointment and and to work through it and to feel that emotion and but also maybe then to set a bit of a time limit on it as well and go you can have it you can have your repo time just remember detour not a destination and and that's going to happen for you know that happens for every player at you know every stage of their career at times and for every club I'm sure parents will love the fact that you just put a time limit on it because I can imagine teenagers up and down the country going, oh, I'm just having me a poor time. Yeah, it's been three three weeks. How long yeah. has it been? <laughs> so, yeah, a couple of hours and then what's next? And yeah. I suppose on the other end of things and in the academy system, obviously, every single year, it's natural. It happens. The return release comes up. For those you talk about in that same book as well about, you know, recovering from setbacks, what advice have you got to pass on to, to, to those people who are listening to this, those teenagers who find themselves having just been released from their academy last season and are not in the best place in terms of, you know, they're still kind of in a an uncomfortable position of not knowing what is next? Have you got any advice for those individuals? I've got a bit of understanding before advice, which is no one likes to be in that position. I mean, I've never been in that position, but I have been in the position where a client is saying, look, we're looking at five speakers to speak at our big conference, you know, and you're one of the five. And then you get the call, which is we've decided to go with someone else who thought someone else would would fit the brief. So first of all, let's just acknowledge no one likes to be rejected. OK, so let's just let's not bull give people a load of BS and say, well, you just got to shrug it off and, and turn that frown upside down and be positive. You've got to go back to the last point. You've got to allow yourself some hippo time. Mm. It, it's understandable. And then going back to the point I made before, which is but it's then it's OK. So what's next? 
Um, and, and that's the important thing to not beat ourselves up for feeling bad. When you get rejected, of course, you're going to be hurt and it can feel like the end of the world. Now, parents can help here because I think parents can, you know, let's be honest, parents can live their lives through their children and that their parents can believe in you more than the actual coaches do at times. And sometimes tell, parents tell you what you want to hear rather than what you need to hear. But I think a sensible parent must also be prepared to do the maths on this and go, how many, you know, young people, players go into the academy? How many of them are likely to break through into the first team? And, and do the maths on that. So always have a plan B. The other thing to think about is I still, you know, I'm still in contact with a number of players who were let go by Manchester City. Some of them are no longer in the world of football. Uh, some of them still are, fortunately. But what is interesting also is that those that are no longer in the game are still friends with those that are. And so you may still have developed friendships for life in this academy. You will have learned things. You will have excelled in terms of opportunity and discipline, your fitness. And, and also for some people, the what next is plan B doesn't mean I need to be out of football. Plan B means, well, I need to look for another opportunity. It was their loss. It wasn't the right time. Maybe I didn't get on with the coach. Uh, maybe they, you know, I, I made a bad first impression. These things can happen. Or maybe I was just in with a, a group of very talented young players and um, they've, they've the ones that have shone. But that doesn't mean that, therefore, that's the end of the journey. It's, again, E plus R equals O. Jamie Vardy has been one of the most successful uh, strikers in Premier in recent Premier League history, you know he he was um, he played, you know he played non-league football, you know he wasn't scouted and picked up by a big club years ago. So who knows? It might not be the end of the story, uh, and it might be the end of that chapter. But it isn't necessarily the name at the end of the story. And even if it does mean it's the end of that story. It's still been a great experience and you will have memories that millions and millions of youngsters around the world can only have dreamed of. Yeah, I mean, it's so important, isn't it, to put it into context. And I'm sure you could wax lyrical, especially with your time at, at Man City for all those years of all the opportunities that these these boys have been given, all the opportunities that they've more than seized as well, you know, over the years, the weeks, the seasons, going through the age groups of all the good bits that that come with that and I think it's important to reflect and like you said have that hippo time but also have that thought process of well actually you know let's look at it positively rather than going because yep. nobody likes to be rejected I think we often I say we those we work in in the academy system in this country I think we often forget that it's hard to put yourself in that person's place I never sure. got to anywhere near the level that these yep. have got to be able to sit across that table and try and put myself there as a, a 12 year old a 14 year old whatever age, mm. age it may be to be able to go yeah you're not for us that, that's yeah that's got to be hard to take that's got to be hard yeah, to take and i think it is yeah absolutely so in terms of then you mentioned humans we are all humans and i think the most common thing about us as human beings is we do tend to worry and if i'm shifting it towards the player for now we'll come on to the parents in a little while in my experience a lot of players worry worry about a lot of different things sometimes in my view meaningless things to them mm. it's always going to be meaningful 
what can players do, any academy player, even a young professional who's just about to start on his professional career, sound, signed his first pro contract, mm. what can they do to combat this worry, this thought protest? Well, first of all, I mean, I actually wrote a book, Lee, called How Not to Worry, and I came up with something which I don't think anyone's ever uh, come up with before, so I'm particularly proud of this one. That And it's this whole premise that not all worry is bad. There is what I call worth it worry, and there is worthless worry. So um, worth it worry means that you're worried about something. So for instance, let's just say it was, it was, let's say a new coach has come in. So I know someone who is involved, um, you know, working with a, with a Premier League football club. I won't mention the club because it might give away who the player is. They've been out on loan, but since they've now gone out on loan, they're now returning to the club. It's a new manager. Well, that player could be worried about what will this new manager think of me? Well, you can either worry about it. Or you can go, how can I turn that into a worth it worry? So I need to think about how I how can I influence this situation? How can I turn that worry as a catalyst to, to deal with my concerns? So that whole thing about being very much seen to be, you know, more than early for training, being courteous, being polite, training really hard, doing all you can and all he can to create that positive first impression on, on the new boss. Um, secondly, as another example, let's say, Lee, that I've got a little bit, I haven't, but as an example, let's say I've got a bit of a lump on my neck. And and most people go, oh, what are you worried about that for? There's nothing to worry about. It's probably nothing. Yeah, but worth it worry would say, yeah, but actually, I think that's worth checking out. I need to get that checked out. So worry can sometimes be an, an, a catalyst to taking action. Now, of course, there are other things which I call worthless worry, which you can worry about a lot, but which actually you've got no control over, i.e. the past. You know, I play, I'm really worried about what people say about that last game. Well, actually, it's over now, isn't it? You can't do anything about that last game. The only thing you can do something about now is the next game. Or someone said to me recently, do you think there'll be, there'll be another global pandemic in your lifetime? I'm like, thanks for cheering me up. And it came in for a coffee. But whether there is or there isn't, there's not a lot I can do about that. So it's worthless worry. If I'm possibly be running late from a train or my plane, then that worry can cause me to speed up or to make sure I leave in plenty of time to make sure I don't miss my flight. If I'm then on the flight and experiences loads of turbulence, not a lot I can do about it. So there is this sense of asking yourself, is this worth it worry, i.e. I can do something about it, or is it simply worthless worry, which means no matter how much I spin it around in the washing machine of my mind. I can't do anything about it. So that's something perhaps for people to think about. Yeah, perfect. And, and moving on to the the parents, it's not a competition, but maybe parents worry a lot more than what the players do. I don't know. That's probably time for another episode, that one. But from a parent perspective, they're no strangers to worry. They're constantly stressing about their son, about their progress, whether they're getting game time, they're not. Are they enjoying it? Are they not? Are they going to get their registration, you know, continued at the end of the season? Are they getting enough goals? Are they playing the right position? The, the, the list is endless. You know, I'm a parent as mm. well, as, I, as I'm sure you are. It's 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 almost like in our DNA as a parent, there's a switch that goes on. We just worry constantly. 
is there anything I mean, you talk about in one of your books as well about that engine from you know preventing your engine from over revving any kind of tips or processes that parents can do to stop their engine from over revving i think it is it's first of all it is just that sign it's a sign that you care all right so again welcome to being human and, and realizing that worry is a sign that you care but one, one of the things i meant by by sumo when i talk about shut up move on people can go that shut up bit sounds aggressive and i'm saying no what it means is shh shut up get off autopilot do some stopping thinking and reflecting and for some people and for some parents worry has just become a habit it's just what they do but actually it's about asking yourself well all right, just because you want someone to do well, you want your son to do well or your daughter in that in another context. Um, why do you feel that? Well, that's just the way I am. I'm a worrier. No, you're giving yourself that as a label. So, again, you're going back to the previous question. Is it worth it worry or is it worthless worry? What is in your, you know, a phrase, um, you know, that is very familiar in, in sport? What, what can you do to control the controllables? What's in I talk about? Um, things that can concern you that you can't do anything about and things that are in what I call your green zone and your green zone is things that you can influence and you can control. And so I think some people spend a lot of their time thinking about, talking about, worrying about and sometimes moaning about stuff they can't do anything about. So just acknowledge that that's where you're at but then go, OK, what's in my green zone? How? What can I do to support my son or my daughter, whatever the context? What's in my green zone? How can I influence or improve this? What control can I have? And recognise that sometimes worry is worthless and worry is a habit. Now, habits can be changed, not overnight, but over time. But they can be changed. Yeah, it's... I'm glad you put that bit in about overnight because I think that's one of the hardest things to do is is to to change a habit to kind of reframe that and yeah it's that autopilot bit it's probably spot on you know as a parent I can think from my personal perspective it's not to say everyone will think like me and behave like me but you do you kind of go on that autopilot and it's really good fantastic even that you related that back to the sumo and just it's get off autopilot and yeah. you know had to think about things it's yeah it's I suppose that's why you've you've wrote so many books and that's why you've sold I'm sure so many thousand upon thousand of them because everything that you're saying is relatable and everything you're saying is 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 easy and achievable isn't it it's not something you think oh god this is gonna take you know a lot it's it's actionable isn't it it's it's that's what I try and do and I definitely try and make it relatable to life but I think when you're on autopilot you do you just you speak without thinking you behave without thinking about it. Whereas what I've realised is that some people live a bit more with intention. And for a parent to say, OK, I need to acknowledge that my anxiety, my worrying, my 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 sense of disappointment can, can influence my child. You know, I talk about people are thermostats, your mood, your energy, your attitude can set the temperature for those around you. So we all need to be flexible in how we deal with our sons and daughters um, because children are different. They're all unique. But I think it is a question of actually stepping back and doing a bit of self-reflection and going, OK, how do I best show up to help my son or my daughter right now? 
and and realize i am and lee and i talk as someone who's you know my kids now my son's 30 my daughter's 27 um and i look back and go flipping it there were times when i said things and i just reacted without thinking and if i just taken a little bit more time to press pause and to ponder and and also going back to that formula e plus r equals o there's a little phrase for people to think about which is begin with the end in mind in other words an event's happened but before you react ask yourself what do i want the outcome to be here what do i want you know and 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 when you begin with the end in mind rather than just being the reactive parent in the moment i think you're more likely to be more supportive to your son or daughter totally agree you're not going to get any uh, any challenge from me on that one and kind of going back to the players now and making it relative to the time of the recording when the, the episode will go out we find ourselves a little bit in between pre-season and, and, and the start of the season and for those players, academy players who are moving up into different age groups, different phases, changing from one academy to the other, those academy players who've signed their first professional contract and walking into that first team training environment, the changing room for the very first time. You mentioned before about first impressions. Mm. In terms of those individuals going into those new environments, those new teams, those new clubs, why is it important then to demonstrate a confident attitude from day one? Yeah, you might not always feel confident and that's fine because actually you might feel a bit nervous and that would be normal. But I think you've got to think about um, th that phrase that says never judge a book by a cover, but we do. And in fact, publishers spend a lot of time and energy and as someone who's written 13 books and know about this, thinking about the cover, thinking about the title thinking about the first impression. So it's a bit of a ridiculous statement saying never judge a book by its cover because we do and publishers know that. So it's that sense in which, OK, what's the kind of first impression I want to make in this situation and being a bit more intentional and more aware. So going back to that player I mentioned before who was out on loan, but the first team, the Premier League team, uh, their manager left them. They have a new manager in. Well, he might be a little bit nervous reporting back for pre-season training, but if he's intentional and thinking, I need to make a good first impression here, because actually, if I make a bad first impression, it can be difficult to turn that round. People can take an instant like to you or an instant dislike to you. And there is that that concept in psychology called the halo of the horns effect. So if you and I meet, Lee, and... Um, I, I happen to make a good first impression on you. You you kind of like maybe without no subconsciously only being aware of this, but it's like, oh, Paul's a great guy. And you maybe don't just see me as a great guy in one situation. You think I'm just a great guy. It's got, I've got the halo effect. Um, if I make a bad first impression, you're saying to your colleagues, I don't know about that guy, Paul McGee, didn't like him, didn't like the way he spoke or he turned up late. And then it's almost like, You've, you've written me off and I'm, I'm going to be that kind of bad person in every situation. We kind of get that first impression and then we just think that's what people are like. And that's like, no, that's what I was like in that situation. But I might not be in others, but people judge you very quickly. So you want to try and be in charge of that kind of judgment and, and influence it in an intentional, positive way rather than just leave it to luck or chance. Yeah. We all do it, don't we? We are guilty. And it's interesting you do that. I mean, 
I think that phrase probably has got to be one of the most, not say overused, but most commonly used one, don't judge a book by its cover. But we do. We, we always we do. do. Whether it's a, a, a new colleague, whether it's you walking into your, you know, even I'm talking as adults now, you walk into that mm. office or that workplace for the first time you do you go oh they look a bit or i don't you know i don't like the way you don't you don't say it overtly but you think it going mm. oh they're dressed a bit wacky or they seem to be a bit loud and oh and, and we do we do yeah. it so i think it is vastly important especially for these I, individuals not to worry you, too much about it but to make no. a bit of a dirty plan you see you might have your own um tasting clothes that's one thing fair enough but you know, if someone walks into the changing room and you're just you're just not acknowledging them and you're just scrolling on your phone, you've just made an impression. If if someone says to you, "Can I just talk to you about something?" You say, "Go on, I'm listening," but then you continue look on looking at your phone. You've just made a first impression. So we are all unique individuals, and so you know, it's not a case of just dress like everyone else is. You know, be you in some respects, but also be respectful and be purposeful in terms of how you behave. Now, I want to take you from the old school paper book version. I know you're very heavily now into your social media. I've been following you for a while and I'm yeah. massively impressed with with your videos that you're putting together. So kudos for, for that one. And I recently saw one about you talking around to be the best version of themselves now a lot of people not just in you know academy football in sport in business in life this phrase is banded around quite a lot be the best version of yourself in your experience how is this achieved because we we at the academy we're always trying to drill that into our players you know as mm. people first and foremost as a human being they just so happen to be a, an academy player as well but be the best version of you and everything you do you know is it adding value to you Sure. What's the message I mean, you want to give to those people in terms of being the best version of themselves? And it, and it's a great little phrase, but again, it is about we'll drill down. What does that look like in reality? And yes. for me, it, it's actually realising that no matter how well yesterday went, I need to show up today. That no matter how well my talk went earlier on this week in Sheffield, I'm speaking in you know Manchester later on today. I need to make sure I continue to deliver. So SUMO as an acronym, uh, you know, means shut up or move on or, or stop, understand, move on. But it also, as I mentioned earlier, SUMO in Latin in Latin means to choose. And my friend um, who works a lot in elite sport, a guy called Drew Povey, says, Paul, every day is a choose day. C-H-O-O-S-E. And so being the best version of you is deciding what does that look like and, and not deciding to do it because you feel like it, but because you choose to do it. And so just as hopefully you have a certain routine around, you know, your own personal hygiene, uh, you know, and having a wash and shower and clean, uh, you know, having a shave if you're at that age or certainly cleaning your teeth. It's like you do that as a routine. You do, you do it almost on autopilot. And some things you do on autopilot can be really good. So for me, I I have certain routines and rituals at the start of the day, both mental and to do with movement. And, and I want to consistently do that. I want to every day. Uh, someone saw me in a restaurant last night, so they didn't recognise you without your earbuds in because they normally see me when I'm walking in the morning if I'm around. 
um, and I've got I'm listening to a podcast because no matter how many books I've written, how many books I've sold, how many conferences I've spoken at, today is another Tuesday to make sure what can I learn today? What can I listen? What podcast can I listen to? What article or book can I read? And I think it's a day it's a daily decision. There was a, an American motivational speaker passed away some years ago with a crazy name called Zig Ziglar. And, and he said this motivation is a bit like having a wash. You need to do it daily to get the full benefit. And I think being the best version of you is deciding what are some of the daily choices I need to make to increase that possibility of that happening. Brilliant. I mean, in terms of Drew, he needs to get that copywritten and get some T-shirts out there because that Tuesday. Yeah, that's going to sell plenty of T-shirts, that one. Yeah. I love that one. Love that. Yeah. One. In terms of going back to the kind of worry and mistakes and kind of that sort of frame of mind mm. and academy players you know sport is dynamic football even more so you know the pressures of the you know getting your registration renewed at the, at the end of the year or the end of the two years getting that next contract getting that next opportunity or even now players are listening to this and they've got chance to playing a trial or to go on loan or to train for the pre-season with another club or another academy to make an impression yeah a mistake is natural yeah we all make errors we do that on a daily basis you know tons of times a day in terms of what would you say to a player who is listening to this now who and you mentioned that you know how well did yesterday go make sure you turn up again today if they're listening to this on their way into training, on their way to an opportunity, and they had a bad day yesterday, they made a mistake or an error, mm. what would you give, what, what advice would you give them and what to tell themselves in that situation? Sure. I think, first of all, just to acknowledge that your first reaction, if you've had made a mistake or an error of some sort, is you'll want to beat yourself up. You're disappointed in yourself. That's, hello, welcome to being human. Now, if that mistake happens actually in a game, then it literally needs to be, Sumo, sumo, shut up, move on. What's next? And you just got to go again. In the in the midst of it, you can't dwell on that error, that mistake you made in the midst of a game. But if you are going into training today and that happened yesterday, there's a gap between what happened and where you're at now. And I, I have um, a postcard with seven questions on to help you sumo. And um, I won't go through all of them, but, you know, the, the first one is actually simply, OK, on a scale of one to ten, where ten's death or the end of the world. Yeah. Where is it? And just and that's a great perspective question. Um, but then another question could be, OK, what can I learn from this? What would I do differently next time? So what what was it about that error? That well, was it was it just just bad luck or was it a bad decision on your part? Welcome to being human. What can you learn from this experience and what would you do differently next time? And in a sense, it's trying to be a coach to yourself rather than just simply a constant critic. So I find those there's times when I've handled the situation in work uh, and in an event and gone, you didn't handle that one well, mate. Well, you can beat yourself up and need a bit of hippo time for it. But again, it comes back to, OK, so if that situation happens again in the future, what are you going to do differently? So and I think that's hugely important for everyone in sport to be aware of. You know, you're playing a number of games in a season and, you know, you might be up against that opponent again in the future. 
but next time you're better prepared but only if you reflect and listen to your coach not your critic yeah the scale of one to ten it's a again it's another impactful one isn't it it gives you gives you perspective doesn't it scale you know like you said being death is it near is it death no so yeah, yeah. By, you're straight away giving it a little bit of perspective and you can mm. you can work that area in terms of speaking about work you know people who work within the academy system staff will listen to this podcast and this question really is across the three groups those staff who work within it parents who go above and beyond on a daily weekly basis every single season to support their son and the players as well and the question is around switching off now mm. we are all guilty when i say we that's players parents and staff guilty of probably not being able to switch off now we've just come back from an off season we're into pre-season already the season will be soon upon us and i want to give some words of wisdom some advice some other actionable things that people can do to be able to switch off first of all do you think it's possible to actually switch off when you're doing something that you love as we all do and have you got any tips and tricks that we players parents and staff would find useful to be able to switch off in the future yeah first of all uh, and it's interesting because you mentioned the word guilty uh, as part of the question initially we can feel guilty for not switching off if you're doing something that you love that energizes you that gives you that joie de vie bit of french for you there lee um it's it's like don't feel guilty that you struggle to switch off can you make the most successful people on the planet some of the, you know do you think pep has no problem pep guardiola switching off you know the, the sport football consumes him now here's what i want you to think about though so first of all quit feeling guilty that you struggle to switch off you found something that floats your boat that energizes you that engages you loads of people never have that so first of all quit feeling guilty recognize also that if you're going to really fulfill your potential in your career then it's never going to be a nine to five and it's and it's never a case of i just need to find the work-life balance look we're at we're at different ages and different stages and we have different seasons to our lives and especially when you're early on in your career you need to maximize that you know i went from i lost my job through ill health i became ill with an illness called me myalgic encephalomyelitis yuppie flu or chronic fatigue syndrome i didn't work for three years when i felt i was well enough not to work full time and not in a demanding job but maybe get a little part-time job i couldn't because no one had hired me because i couldn't pass a medical so i started on ground zero absolutely now i have built up my business but i've not built up my business because i learned the ability to switch off i learned the ability to be switched on to what i needed to be switched on to i consumed what was then in those days audio cassettes when i was driving in the car it was like the university on wheels um, i would read loads i would watch other speakers i wasn't switching off so first of all let's quit feeling guilty however I do also want us to think that sometimes it can, can totally consume us. And one of the things that added to Sir Alex Ferguson's longevity was not so much how do I switch off, 
but reframing as what else can I switch on to? And for him, it was horse racing. Now, for me, my I'll be honest with you, it was I remember a time when I would take a personal development book to read in the gym while I was on the bike. I'm thinking I've got to make the most of every moment. Now, at the moment, I still listen to my podcasts and they're not always uh, work related. Some of them to do with politics, some are to do with sport. But I found something else to switch on to. So that's that's tip number one. Don't ask the question, how do I switch off? Ask yourself, what else could I switch on to? So examples of that. I've seen lots of sports people obviously take up golf. They're switching off from sport. Now, when I was at City and I was there on a weekly basis, I'd see some of the football analysts and one thing or another would take some time out and they'd have a game of head tennis in the gym. So they were doing something different. I think sometimes when you're at work and you've been indoors a lot, then it might be, look, just walk wherever your environment is. Go for a walk, get some fresh air, get away from your desk and give you a sense of perspective. When you're at home in the evening and there isn't a game on and you are supposed to be, you know, in the room with maybe a friend, a, a family member, perhaps your partner or whatever. One thing that could be useful, because this was something that one of the um, staff at City told me they had an issue with, is they felt compelled to always look at their phone. So I said, you've got to spend a little bit of time with that phone in a different room, because the temptation, if you sit you know, watching TV with the phone next to you, you never switch off and you're constantly looking at your phone. And so practically, let's just recap, find something else to switch on to. So for me, actually, that is related to football because my world isn't football. My world is motivation, resilience, speaking, writing. And secondly, give yourself a break from your phone, put it in another room at times when you're chilling, particularly with someone else, and maybe you're watching a movie or some series on TV. Perfect. And I suppose looking in a little bit more context to that, we're always, not the fact of not being able to switch off, but in football, you always hear the phrase of, you know, just looking at the next game, you know, we're, we're probably, I'm going to use that word, guilty of we're looking at the next result where's it coming from we need to get through this next period is it not switching off was it is it really possible to be able to think that way that compartmentalized of right it's just today and then the next day and then is it is it easy to box off and what what insight can you provide and is it is it achievable, first of all? And then oh. how, if it is, how do we achieve that of being able to box things off and not let our heads get muddled with all the information around us? OK, a couple of things to think about there. So after this, um, we've finished our podcast interview. My whole focus is on this event I'm speaking at in Manchester. I've already done lots of my prep, but at that precise moment, I will from from until I finished, my whole focus will be on this event and I will not be thinking about the events I've got coming up next week. So on one level, I'm taking one day at a time. Yeah. However, I will also be looking at my month and I'll be looking at the number of events I've got and where I'm traveling. And I've got I've got sometimes my focus is what's coming up this month. My September is crazy 
Now, if I was taking one event at a time, suddenly September would come as a shock. But it won't come as a shock because I'm aware of what's coming up. And so I'm going to plan accordingly. You know, I'm not taking any more speaking engagements in September. I need to think about how I use my time at my weekends. Hopefully watching the ticks make an amazing start to life in League One. Um, so on one level, you do have to once it's that when it's game day, that is all that needs to be on your mind. But in terms of preparation and planning, my experience is that most managers and coaches look at a group of games rather than say, our focus is purely on the next game. I mean, they might say that to the media, but that's not in reality because they need to look at a group of games. They need to look at, say, OK, how many points do we think is achievable from this next six? And if we play player X in those two games, will that burn them out for the one or two after? So I think it's a myth that is perpetuated by management and coaches sometimes saying stuff they think media want to hear and that is we just take each game as it comes you you do on the day but in terms of your planning and prep you're often taking a group of games to you know at once and in fact pep guardiola i'm not giving any secrets away but he was always focused on the games that you play after the international break because according to him, he felt that there was a time when some clubs were vulnerable, when players have been abroad, when they've been travelling back, when they've not been together, that that first game back, that if they're not careful, that's where they can, you know, lose points. And if you remember, City won the title the first time in 40 odd years in 2012. They won it on goal difference. You know, so sometimes it's small margins when Liverpool have pushed them hard in the past. Sometimes it was only one points difference. So Pep isn't going right now. We're all back. Now let's look at this next game. He was thinking about what those first two or three games after the international break. He was thinking about those two or three games before the international break, not when they returned. Yeah, thank you for blowing that myth out of the water because I think, like you said, a lot of people say those so say those phrases, whether it's on camera, off camera, uh, to make an impression, to give the appearance that they're in control of their thoughts and they're not looking too far ahead. And I think it's important for people who are listening to understand that isn't always the case. We can be kind of masquerading and saying things that people we think people want to hear, but internally yeah. we're thinking and feeling something totally different absolutely and then in terms of my final question as we always do on the podcast this is where you can I mean you've impressed me so far already so I do feel bad in asking you yet another question about powerful words and what I want you to do is to leave our listeners if you haven't already with the plethora of information and actionable points they can take away what powerful words would you like to leave our listeners with on your episode Maybe I'll leave you with two. One of them is just to think about this. You're not always responsible for what happens to you, but you are responsible for what you then how you respond. So it's you're not responsible for the event, but you are responsible for your response because that will influence the outcome. And the second thing, and I think I might have mentioned it earlier, true friends, true friends tell you what you need to hear not what you want to hear wow yeah 
yeah, that that friendship one. I think academy players will lean. You know, they make friendship groups when they come into the, to any club and any academy. And yeah, when you're in earshot of some of the things that they say to each other, I think you're spot on with that one. I think true friends do tell you what what you need to hear, and yeah, that's good to hear. And everything that you've given us, I say us, the listeners, myself, over the last sixty minutes or so. It's been an absolute pleasure to to listen to every single word that you've said because it's probably one of them. I'm not saying it now because you know you're you're on the podcast, but in terms of, I think it's one of the most impactful and powerful ones that we've had. Where every response to each question, it's like oof, you can take that away, put that into action, and you will become a better version of yourself. So it's one of the very few ones that I've, I've ever felt that way. So thank you very much, Paul, for for your My time. My pleasure. And I know we've caught you in between other events. Hopefully, you've been able to. I know you will have done concentrating on this, and now you can absolutely concentrate uh, <laughs> on the rest of your day. But yeah, on behalf of the listeners, on behalf of myself, thank you very much. Been my absolute pleasure, Lee. And if anyone wants to hook up with me, and so, sorry, hook up. That sounds a dodgy phrase to use. If anyone wants to <laughs> connect with me, um, the best place to find me is just put the sumo guy into a search engine i'm on twitter i'm on insta i'm on facebook i'm on TikTok, um and um you know my website is the sumo guy.com and we'll be sure to make sure that all of those details are in the bio of this episode so people will be able just to click on there and connect with you straight away paul great thanks very much lee it's been great talking to you thank you And that brings us to an end of another episode of the podcast. We've covered a number of topics today, all aimed at helping you navigate the challenging yet rewarding world of academy football. In today's conversation with Paul, we looked into the fascinating subjects of making a good first impression, finding balance in overwhelming situations and recovering from mistakes. Let's recap the key insights we've uncovered. We began by examining the significance of making a good first impression, whether it's a job interview, a social gathering, or a chance encounter. First impressions have a profound impact on how others perceive us. We explored the science behind the snap judgments and discussed strategies to enhance our presentation, from body language and nonverbal cues to the power of authenticity. Remember, making a bad first impression is hard to correct when most of us are judging books by its cover. Life can sometimes become overwhelming and knowing how to switch off is essential for our mental well-being. We explored the concept of switching off and discussed various techniques to cultivate a sense of calm amidst the chaos. Paul taught us to switch on to other things hobbies and spending time in nature in discovering the importance of finding balance and creating space for rest and rejuvenation. Mistakes are inevitable part of life and part of being a human being. As well as learning how to recover from this, it's crucial for personal growth. We talked about the art of embracing our mistakes as learning opportunities rather than sources of shame or regret. We discussed the power of self-compassion, the importance of taking responsibility and explored strategies to bounce back from setbacks. 
Remember, mistakes are not failures, but stepping stones on the pathway to success. And there you have it. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you gained an insight as well as some practical tools to navigate the complexities of academy life. Remember, we are human. We make mistakes, which lead to not our preferred outcomes, but these are merely detours and not an end destination. Not all worry is bad. It's a sign you care deeply about something or someone. Practice your inner sumo. Stop understand and move on and take your hippo time when you need it before working on what's next you can find out more about today's guest on their website and check out their social media platforms for more of what was discussed today all which you will find on the bio of this episode reach out and continue the conversation towards taking ownership of your own personal development and unlocking your potential on and off the pitch if you haven't already make sure you hit the follow button on our podcast as well as follow us on instagram facebook and twitter and connect with us on linkedin to provide us with your feedback on this episode and suggest ones for in the future as always be sure to share this episode with your teammates friends parents coaches and whoever else you feel will benefit from this Until next time, when we bring you another interview from the locker.